Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, I'm here with Lance from RetroWare TV. How's it going, man? Not too bad. Yourself? Pretty good. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. I've been trying to get around to doing this for a while now, but you're a busy guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you, you were in Connecticut, and we didn't get to sync up. You know, I'm from Connecticut as well. Mm-hmm. Now you're in New York, and it's kind of weird that we're doing it this way instead of uh, prior. Yeah, but, our paths have <laughs> probably crossed literally many times and just uh, never made it happen. So sorry about that. I'm all over no, the place. So. It's, it's over here, too. So uh, you have uh, quite a history with all this stuff. Um, I don't really even know where to begin, to be honest with you. Um, so for uh, you do, and I think you do pretty much as much behind-the-scenes work as you do in front of the scenes. So you have your hands on a lot of different things. Um, yeah. I guess do yeah. like, you want to just give everybody a basic overview of how uh, of like the work that you're currently involved in, and maybe we can go from there. Sure. Um... About uh, 10 years, maybe a little little over 10 years at this point, um, I started uh, RetroWareTV.com with uh, um, my buddy John D'Elia, um, and we co-founded that website where really just started off as as a kind of answer to the angry video game nerd like a, a lot of YouTube um, uh, reviewers did, um, you know, because I, I was actually from a, a television background. I went to school for television production, and, and John went to school for film. And we both were at jobs, actually, at the History Channel at the time. Um, we were in TV, but we weren't producing content the way we wanted to. Um, so we like decided just to do this, you know, this little project. And from there, it, it grew. We brought some other content providers onto the website, and and really tried to get the conglomerate approach where. You know, uh, while somebody might not know of RetroWare the show, they might know of uh, the Happy Video Game Nerd or um, Pixel Dan or something like that. And they'll go to RetroWare uh, because, you know, we used to cross-promote our videos uh, to watch Pixel Dan, and they'll find RetroWare, and, and vice versa. And, and that's how that grew. Uh, and it grew fairly large. Um, and then, you know, in the last couple of years, we've definitely seen a, uh, a change in, in how that content is consumed uh, by a lot of people and uh, you know it's people really like uh, the YouTube hubs um, and um, you know the the idea of, uh, of a central website isn't isn't really what it used to be mm-hmm. um, so a lot of those content providers that were on RetroWare started focusing on their YouTube account and, and while RetroWareTV.com as a site actually still gets um, a, a really uh, a good number of, of views. Um, even we have a kind of, kind of, kind of taper off a little bit on, on how uh, the website is run. Uh, you see a lot of more articles on there, and, and there is still video producers on that site. Um, but we've kind of shifted our focus um, to to shows like the Video Game Years, mm-hmm. and just you know other shows, you know, strictly arcade, 
uh, what have you, and just trying to to do what we can for for the retro scene. Both of us were, were fans of retro gaming for forever, it seems like now. <laughs> um, so, um, and uh, right now we're, we're kind of like uh, moving to focus on the video game years. Um, and that's that's the retroware aspect of, of a number of the things I do. Gotcha. So retroware, um, I guess that's, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. So I guess, you know, a parent company and partner companies might be one way, but I guess retroware also is like the hub of information where you can get to all the rest of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you'd go there and you'll find, you know, just, just search retroware for pretty much almost any NES game or Nintendo game. Somebody's probably done a review of it. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's things from reviews, more history-type pieces, Mm-hmm. Uh, hardware reviews and, and general discussions uh, on that website, and uh, it's uh, definitely a really cool place to go for retro gamers. Yeah, some of the history pieces are actually how I learned about you guys. Uh, my cousin Scott, who's on the show all the time, and I think you've met him before, uh, he actually passed a few of those over to me and said, "Hey, you know, you'd, you'd really like this. Take a look." And <clears> once I, you know, eventually got around to watching it, I went, "Oh wow, yeah!" And that then I kind of just went from there and. And just basically clicked through the links till I found the content that I, I wanted to see. And it was, you know, at the time I think I, I went directly through Retroware TV, so I found it pretty easy to find what I needed. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, that that whole conglomerate idea that I, I spoke of earlier, um, you know, that that really helped that website uh, gain the status, I guess if you, you want to call it that. That it has. I mean, even today, it's it's still. Uh, viewed as a very respectable site we're not you know the the potty mouth youtubers or anything like that on that site we actually don't we purposely try to avoid that kind of stuff and yeah we dabble in a little crazy every once in a while but yeah if you, you know the the whole idea was for for serious you know history reviews uh, of, of these games and uh, I, I feel like that's something we've accomplished over the last 10 years yeah serious history or positive focus i guess i would yeah. say so. <laughs> I mean, while I actually would call the Angry Video Game Nerd videos positive, um, all of his spinoffs that copied him, I, I wouldn't. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, um, I'm, I'm glad that there, there's a variety of stuff out there, and I'm glad there's people like you guys that take it seriously, too. So, well, Thanks. I appreciate that. So how, uh, how did you get started in this? I mean, I assumed you, uh, you started as a kid actually playing these games, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean I've always I've played video games. I'm, I'm 37 years old now. Uh, I've probably been playing games since the Coleco was released. That was my first game system, and we bought it new when it was new. Um, so, um, you know, I started with the ColecoVision, uh, you know, moved to dabble with the Commodore 64, uh, and then we got our first Nintendo, and then I was pretty much a Nintendo kid for the most part, all the way, you know, Super Nintendo. Uh, and then I moved away from during the PlayStation era and went to the PlayStation. But yeah, I've, I've just been constantly been gaming since the ColecoVision um, and uh, just playing all these games. Uh, you know, my father was very uh, supportive. Um, you know, we, while we didn't have a ton of games, he'd always kind of, you know, get us the latest and greatest and, uh, you know, kind of fed that obsession in, in a way. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, around probably college, actually. So this is early late 90s, early 2000s, I started um, actively collecting a lot of this stuff. Um, I, I still had a bunch of this stuff. I, 
I, I had as a kid. So that's um, more hard. I always ask too, because so many people I know got rid of all their stuff and then they're on a yeah. quest to buy it back. Were you able yeah. to keep all of your stuff? No, you know, I wasn't. I mean, it was like a 50-50. I kept all my systems and a handful of games. So, um, you know, and it was because I would always trade up. So, uh, you know, uh, Super Nintendo came out. I got rid of a lot of my Nintendo games uh, and, and so on. You know, PlayStation, I got rid of Super Nintendo and uh, GameCube. I got rid of PS1, which was probably my biggest regret. <laughs> um and in the Super Nintendo ones too, but I've I've have since like got all of that back, um, and I feel like I got in at a time where, um, you know, what was a good time, you know, late '90s, early 2000s, where prices were were fair, and and unfortunately they've gone to astronomical prices these days, and I feel bad for anybody looking to start collecting now. Um, yeah, unfortunately, but, uh, it doesn't look like it's swinging the other way. It's kind of like um, classic cars. You know, once a yes. once a certain time period hit, it skyrocketed and never came back down. Really, so yeah. unfortunately, I think that's what it's going to be like for classic games. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there there, there are a lot of these you know SNES classic systems kind of coming out, and even the retro pies. And I do think that that is actually um, uh, feeding the need for for the casual. Uh, collector who, who just kind of wants access to these games and, and play them in some kind of true form. And I think the SNES Classic is great for something like that because um, you get games like Earthbound on there. And, yeah, and Starbucks you know, too, of course. Yeah, and, you know. super expensive games on there, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's very accessible and, and in HD. Um, I knew. I mean, I know you do uh, retro RGB, <laughs> so you know for people wanting to play games from that era in good quality without having to do all the, the work that's that's definitely the easiest way to go about it um, yeah but, I, I, um, I try to always be blunt about that you know I think a lot of people that follow my channel want the you know the best quality out of their original consoles so right. something like that is a very fun toy but mm-hmm. it's a toy but your average person just wants to play those games in a way that doesn't suck so right. Right, something right. like the NES and SNES Classic is actually a great way to achieve that right Right, but with the same token, that is not you or I. <laughs> we want the original system, <laughs> and we want you know the greatest picture quality out of those original systems. So, absolutely. Um, yep. So when uh, I guess you said you did um, uh, video production in college, and then yep. what kind of happened after that? Because there must have been a obviously a gap between college and when you started the retroware stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I like I said, I was I got a job at. Um, Amy, which is uh, owns the History Channel, and uh, now they own Lifetime. They don't own Lifetime back then, but it was Amy and the History Channel. And I'm really I, I worked in the library as a freelancer, and that's how I got in got into that field. I'm actually still in that field. Um, I, I don't work for for them anymore. Nation engineer. I, I work on the automation systems that actually broadcast a number. Of networks like the History Channel um, and any, um, you know, all the systems that you know get all the video feeds and and all the files and stuff like that, and then play them out for for broadcast. I I work on those systems, set them up, do some networking, and what have you. And that's my primary thing. And, and retroware has always been kind of like a, a side job for me. Um, and now and now this this Retro World Expo that I'm involved in as well. Yeah, so obviously I wanted to talk about that because um, you know that uh, 
It was actually you and Chris Crone from Retro Games Plus who got me involved in that. I believe it was the first year, and then it was you two guys that introduced me to HD Retrovision, who are now good friends of mine. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. owe you guys for for a lot of that stuff. But uh, I mean, how I talked a little bit with Chris about this, but how did the idea for Retro World? come like how did that come about how did you guys really start that ball rolling because it seems a bit overwhelming to start something like that yeah and it really was and it wasn't uh hey let's go do this and bam we started it kind of decision uh, <laughs> uh hey could you just repeat that i'm sorry i think skype blipped out or something yeah so um yeah between you know i, I met chris when he first opened his his stores in uh westport and uh, you know we became fast friends uh, and I had mentioned that John and I were, were thinking of doing um, a retroware type expo in Connecticut, a retro video game expo. And he was, you know, really surprised that there hadn't been one done, and he was thinking about it as well. Uh, and it wasn't until he opened his second store in Orange, Connecticut. After that settled down, uh, he, you know, he picked up the phone and was like, hey, you know, uh, I'm really interested in doing this expo. And he's like, are you still interested in doing it? I'm like, yeah, uh, I am. Uh, so we got Bill McGee involved. Uh, and from there, it was um, Bill McGee's from RF Generation, and from there it was, um, you know, it's history. You know, we decided to go forward, and we started at the Oakdale, uh, and now we're in year three. Uh, we're going to Hartford to the uh, Connecticut Convention Center, and this is going to be our biggest show yet. Yeah, that's, a, that's quite the upgrade, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's over 100,000 square feet. So, um, but we got to fill it, I and mean, we have filled it. You know, uh, we sold out of vendors this year. Which which is great, and um, got three panel rooms as opposed to year one where we and two where we only had one, um, and just just more room and, and more of everything. Unfortunately, the only thing that we had to cut back on is the musical performances because in order to make that work, we have to move into even more space. So it's, right. it's not a not, not an ideal setup, the current way we have, but you know baby steps, you know. Mm-hmm. So. So could you give a, a little bit of like uh, any fun behind the scenes stories and what's involved? It's uh, what's involved in the expos and stuff like that. And you know, I'm certainly not asking you to like call anybody out or anything. I just mean like, you know, because so much of this is just kind of uh, smoke and mirrors to to most of us that just attend these things, and even to a lot of people that that speak at them. You know, we just kind of show up and don't really know how it works. I mean, it's uh, there's got to be some craziness involved in all this, right? There is, there is. I mean, it, it. Number one, it's a labor of love. It really is. Um, it's a year-long job, um, and um, you know, financially, it, it's something none of the owners, Bill, myself, or Chris, need to do. Um, it's not. We're doing. We're, the, the goal for this wasn't to make tons of money. It was to it was to do this for the community and for Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, with that in mind, I mean, every every week we're on the phone call, we're on Skype, going over who's doing what, or, you know, what's been done, uh, getting some um, some feedback on, you know, I talked to this person, etc. Uh, and just, you know, everybody has their own uh, jobs, and we just kind of get together and we can discuss what happened that week, and then we discuss ideas for what we want to do at the expo, what we don't want to do, what we can come back on, what we should include, what we should add. Um, and it's it's actually very frustrating at times um, because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just a lot of work. It, it's 
so much work, um, you know, and, and a lot of it uh, you, you can't do until certain times, and then when it is time to do it, you don't have much time to do it. For example, the program for this year's thing, I had to, you know, I did, we started a program last year in year two, and we carried it over to this year, and it's, it's something that uh, I personally put together. And, um, you know, with, with help uh, for content-wise and descriptions and stuff like that from the other guys. Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, i got to get this two weeks prior to the expo at the very minimum uh, for, for so we get it printed. And then when we get it back, we have enough time to fix it if, if, if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of deadlines. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's fun, though. You know, we, we've... The three of us have become uh, closer as, as friends. I mean, we were all friends before, and and now um, you know it's it's almost like a relationship. You're, we're business partners now and friends. Yeah, I imagine if you make it through the first year of insanity like that, it's either going to bring you guys closer or just drive everybody apart. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. There's there's moments where I'm just like, oh, well, I don't want to deal with this right now. But um, you know, you know, emotions settle and. And you're you're in it, you know, with with your buddies. You're you're doing this for for the community, and um, it's it's quite the achievement uh, what we've all done together. So it almost sounds like uh, you have to plan a wedding every year. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is. It, we're, we're we're basically event planners. So, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of communication um, uh, troubles, not just between us, uh, there's actually not too much trouble between us as far as communication wise. Uh, but you know, having to deal with, with outside vendors, having to deal with, uh, guests and, um, you know, you, you deal with so many different personalities that, um, you even clash sometimes where like, I've, I've, I've reached out to this person like maybe a dozen times by now. Are you coming or not? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just, um, you know, just, take a day at a time and you get through it and uh like i said it's 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 something at the end of the day all of us are very proud of proud to be a part of and proud to do so so i guess um so the a lot of the arcade machines and stuff that you guys have for the free play (laughs) area that's uh that's a lot of it is chris's um do you guys have other people that offer to bring their machines in for free play or anything like that yeah um it was Year year one, um, <laughs> prior prior to to the first expo, Chris and I started buying machines. I have uh, a number of personal machines. Uh, he had a couple. Uh, and I'm laughing because I just remember the uh, the tour Chris gave me of the warehouse with the pinball machines and the arcade machines. And yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave a note to just stick that video back in there so people can see what I'm talking about. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean we we uh, we went out and bought these machines for the expo. Um, and, uh, we've got about, I don't know, 40, 40, 50 that we have sitting in a warehouse right now, uh, that throughout the year we, you know, upkeep them, you know, refurbish them, um, you know, and, uh, sell some to get others, uh, and add additional ones, that kind of stuff. And, um, that, you know, that's fun. I really like, because, you know, it, it kind of harkens back to, um, those days when you're collecting video games and you, you, you find like a rare gem out in the wild for cheap because we don't we really try not to buy um, machines for you know for face value 
Um, we, we tend to buy the ones that might need a little work or, you know, the ones that are selling for whatever reason, um, way undervalued. Um, and that's always kind of like a, a fun chase, you know, um, the problem with it, where if it's an NES cart, you're like, oh, I got this NES cart. You have to lug a huge machine <laughs> into uh, your van, your truck, uh, and then move it. Uh, and it can get pretty physical at times um, and tiring when you're dealing with uh, multiple just, just a few weeks ago, I had bought a mach- an arcade machine three months ago, and there was issues with the delivery guy. And I would ruptured a disc in my back a couple days before it was supposed to be delivered. And the guy said that he was, you know, well, that's why you hired me. I'll do it all. And me and my friend Jose ended up having to pull it up a set of stairs with Dolly. And I already had a ruptured disc in my back, so I had to balance on one foot to try to get it up. It's a nightmare. I really (laughs) wish I just bought uh, an an AES instead of an MVS machine. (laughs) I don't have to worry about asking friends to help me carry that plastic AES. I can just pick it up and walk. So, yeah, I know the nightmare that's involved in those. Is it your your one? the week prior to the expo. No, I think it must have been like two to three days prior to the expo. I was going to bring my, my NBA Jam machine for my personal collection uh, to the show because uh, there's still a number of machines I have here uh, that I do bring to the show. And that was one of them. And we started putting casters on a lot of our machines just for the ease of move. And I'm like, you know, let me put casters on this because it's going to be good for the expo and it's going to be good for my house as well. So... Um, uh, the the couple of days before the expo, you know, I decided to put casters on my NBA Jam machine um, because I was bringing that from my home to the expo. Because there's a couple of games I keep here that I do bring to the expo as well, and um, just for ease of move. And uh, my my wife was helping me put it on its back, and she decided to let it go, <laughs> and it slammed on my big toe. Oh, there was no. just a bloody mess everywhere. I ended up having to go to the uh, the walk-in clinic. She took it out and ended up, ending up having to get the nail removed. It was disgusting. Oh, man, uh, nice. And then the next day, it was the day we had to start moving the arcade machines into the, the expo facility. And I was more or less useless. Um, so um, I'm picturing you, know. you like John Candy in Spaceballs when the thing was <laughs> on his foot and then it's just yeah, just and it's just a sloppy foot walking it. around. <laughs> yeah, so oh, man, yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, you know, you get fun adventures like that that make you think, why am I doing this again? <laughs> but um, you know, you the know. arcade machine part is something that I have a very strong opinion about, and a, a lot of people don't agree with me, but um, I just, you know. In order to recreate an experience of, like, a NES on a CRT, there's 20 different ways to do it, and you could make it authentic, but there really isn't a way to recreate that arcade experience unless you walk up to and play an arcade game. Mm-hmm. And while I, I like the idea of barcades, and I think those should be filled with the Pac-Mans and the Mortal Kombats and the Street Fighters of the world, which I, I love all those games, by the way, um, I, I really think it's important to archive the games that it's absolutely impossible, even through MAME, to recreate that experience. And even some of the sillier ones, like Afterburner is one of my favorite arcade games. It's not a great game, but it's awesome to play for five minutes. You throw your quarters in, and you sit in the machine, and you move around, and there's just, there's no way you could ever recreate the feeling of that, you know, with the speakers and the 90s, or the 80s music blaring and everything, and just the, the fact that people are... Are, are approaching it in the way that you guys are, where you store them, 
Uh, you know, you make sure they're well kept. You bring them out for events that are special, uh, so it's not just getting beer spilled on it every night at a bar. It's actually, you know, like I, I that's something I'm very passionate about, and I hope to someday help. Uh, you know, whether it's just pass some good deals along to you guys or get a few myself for that same reason and lug them up to your show. I just, that's something that I, I really want to make sure. Like, I would love for my kids at least once or twice in their life to be able to walk up to one of those crazy different arcade machines and just have the same hey. feeling that I felt when they saw it. Like, what yeah. the heck is this? This is nuts. So, yeah. I mean, um, uh, sure. I mean, in the even in the 80s and 90s, there was tons of conversion cabs mm-hmm. that, you know, or the run of the mill, just black cab with, with, you know, the arcade controls, what have you. But, you know, like you said, there, there are certain games like Afterburner um, that it's an experience. You know, you put yourself into that game. You, you have the flight stick. Uh, you have the trackball. There's a game called uh, Midway's Last Game that they released uh, in um, the arcades. Uh, the grid has a, you know, almost like a flight, analog flight stick and a trackball. Um, and you, you really kind of can't mimic that. Um, a, it's not on MAME. And B, the control layout is super unique. So you know, it's things like that I always tended to gravitate to. Um, and while, you know, people can argue uh, uh, Dave & Buster's is, is not like a true arcade how you and I probably remember it. There's still really cool games. Like they have this game called Star Wars The Pod, which is this thing you sit in and it's around you. And it's there's no way you can get that at home. Um, maybe with the VR glasses you have now, but um, it's just it's an, ex, uh, an experience that can't be easily recreated. So and then that's what we strive, strive to do with this with this show, um, whether it's, um, you know, having people play those games where you and I were talking about earlier on the original console. Yeah. Uh, finding a game on an old system you've, you've never played before. Um, those, Actually, those are... believe it or not, the first time I played Star Wars Arcade, at least that I remember, was <laughs> at year one of the Retro World Expo. Oh, nice. And it may, maybe it was that I played it when I was a kid. I just didn't grasp <clears throat> the difference because there was four other vector games in the arcade. Right, right. But after playing on just CRTs for so long, you know, Scott's with me, and he's like, oh, hey, look, they have a vector game. You know, it's a color vector graphics. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you got a vector, because I think it... Whoa, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It actually, like, stopped me in my tracks. Like, holy yeah. crap, what a neat way to make a game. Yeah, I mean, those vector games are, even today, uh, Star Wars is a fantastic example. I, I gravitate towards the color vectors versus the, the black and white ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but just... Beautiful, just the colors on the screen. Tempest is, is that way as well. Yeah, um, what a great game! And uh, you know, it's it's something like I, I feel can still be done today. Obviously, you don't need a vector monitor to do it, but the, the whole line type of graph, pop polygonal graphic thing can. And I think people actually are mm-hmm. are, are can make games today that kind of harken back to those early vectors and, and still be very fun. Well, there's actually a guy who designed a conversion kit, so you could take a, right. a long was... list of tubes and re- you actually rewind it and make it into a vector monitor. Have you seen that yet? I've, I've seen that, and I've seen kits to use LCDs actually to do it. To, really? But that's more of more of a, uh, a, a signal con- conversion, so that the LCD understands what to do. Um, oh yeah, no. This actually turns a, a standard CRT right. into a vector CRT, okay. and, it, and a color one at that. 
So um, it's it's still a little uh, new. I mean, it's not something mass produced. I think it's just one guy that made it. But it's it's something that once all the bugs are ironed out, you might actually be able to take like a twenty inch tube and convert a Vectrix to that, so you could have like a big, you know. So yeah, like I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, and stuff like that is something I think the arcade uh, collectors desperately need um, because it's not like anybody's making new tubes. Uh, new vector, especially new vector tubes. Um, there, there are still tubes being made, but not in the U.S. You have to import them, uh, and uh, super hard, super expensive. And um, you know, even going to your Goodwill these days, uh, there's not too many tubes that you you find um, uh, in in those stores. And some some places don't even accept them anymore. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's it's always good to see you know the community creating things to preserve these these arcade games yeah that's actually something i've been working on um with a buddy of mine jose there's uh, lots of work that have been going on in the forums for a long time a lot of people have been posting guides but working on crts can be really dangerous so yeah. you know mm-hmm. you have to you have to at least have a basic understanding of electronics and discharge um but i've actually been able to have hands-on experience to convert tubes with uh, adding RGB inputs, converting a standard consumer-grade TV. You pull the tube out and you make it an arcade monitor. Because arcade monitors are essentially just regular CRTs that go direct to the Yeah, gun, it's, so. it's just a chassis that's really different, you know. Just yeah. in, saying the input on it. Yeah, so. I'd like to try to get more people involved. Uh, the the CRT thing, I just need to be a little cautious on because I don't want I don't want anybody getting hurt. And I'm yeah. never I'm never Mister Safety, but when it comes to that, I absolutely. I mean, you put like fifty disclaimers up there, someone's going to get shocked. Yeah, you know? so, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if somebody go- burns himself <laughs> soldering a Super Nintendo, I don't really care. I burned myself a thousand <laughs> times. You'll live. It's fine. But you know, this is getting zapped with the CRT. That's totally different. So. Yeah, I remember Chris. Uh, had picked up a commando arcade machine for one of his stores and he's like oh, i don't know what's back here it's just layers and layers of dust and it looked like mold and he was just cleaning it off and he was cleaning it right next to that anode cap on the back and zap oh, so no. um but yeah they, they can be dangerous and what he was doing wasn't necessarily dangerous mm-hmm. per se he wasn't like putting his hand on it he was just kind of, like kind of dusting it off and so jeez but yeah, hey, maybe uh, maybe in the future, once we get some of it added, uh, ironed out, like Retro World 2019, we could have a, a little room of hardware yeah. mods and roped off so nobody can jump in and grab it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of, there's a big community for that stuff. Um, I know on, uh, between Klov and um, more, more locally, uh, the, the NECAF, N-E-C-A-F, um, they get, they have uh, get-togethers where that's what they do. They kind of you have a problem with your CRT, bring it to us, we'll show you how to fix it. And it's more of a, a party-type atmosphere than uh, a class or anything like that. So just people, you know, teaching each other on, on how to upkeep these these older technologies. What was the uh, what was the name of the group that you had just mentioned? Uh, NECAF, NECAF, uh, New England Collectors uh, Arcade Forum, something like that. <laughs> gotcha. Um, is that like a Facebook group or something? No, it's a, it's, it's a website with its own forum group. Um, oh, okay, cool. And there, that that is more of the uh, Northeast uh, collectors group for arcades. 
Yeah, you know, I, I would like so badly to keep up with all these things, but I, uh, I talk to so many people around the world, and there are so many different groups in each section of where people live. Like, I just, I think I'm joined to, like, 150 of them, and I don't, I, I just can't keep up. So <laughs> it's hard, it's hard sometimes, but I'm glad that those things exist, you know? Yeah. So, um, what to expect this year from Retro World? Is there anything that you guys have done differently? Is there any, uh, you know, anything that you want to promote specifically? Um, everything, you know, again, uh, is doing more, more of pretty much everything. Um, uh, the only thing we've, we've, uh, taken, uh, <clears throat> the only thing we've scaled back is the, the music. Mm. Um, there's going to be some live music there. Uh, we have a DJ coming out with doing 8-bit stuff and we're also having an after party, um, it's a 21 and over after party on Saturday, um, where we're going to have a live DJ, DJ semi. Um, and you know, we're going to have, uh, him, you know, that's more of like a social, we're going to have him playing music. We're going to have another room where we're doing, um, a, a laser disc, uh, movie showing. Um, and, uh, we're also doing a drink and draw with a number of the artists at the expo. Um, you know, just drink and draw with them. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that's the after party, but the, the, the primary expo uh, tournament is, is a lot bigger this year. Um, we're having um, a number of smash tournaments, both melee and brawl, uh, some retro tournaments, um, some modern tournaments like your street fighter five and, and um, mortal Kombat and what have you. Um, and the console free play is larger. The arcade is going to be larger. We have uh, pinballs.com, which is a fairly large uh, distributor here in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in, in the whole United States, they kind of distribute, but um, they're involved with the show. They're bringing machines. Uh, Barcade uh, from New Haven, who also has a number of bars throughout the, the uh, I believe, the Northeast mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bringing some machines. They're involved. Um, the guest list is fairly extensive this year. Um, Daniel Pacina is returning. He's the original actor that played Johnny Cage. We have John Parrish, who is the original actor who played Jax in Mortal Kombat 2 and 3. Um, yeah, Pat Contry uh, from Pat the NES Punk. Um, gaming Historian, Pixel Dan, hmm. RGT85, The Game Chasers. Uh, some cosplayers this year. Um, because that's, that's something we've, we've kind of always wanted to grow and, and we know has a large tie to the gaming scene is cosplay. So that's something we were trying to, um, to grow a little bit by having some, some better known cosplay, um, guests at the show, as well as, um, doing a contest for cosplay as well. Uh, tabletop gaming, both magic and, you know, board game oriented, has grown um, some, and we're having a lot of indie devs from that scene as well as the video game scene involved. And then the, the vendors, you know, the vendors is always our, our bread and butter as far as uh, what we like to bring uh, to the expo. Um, you know, cause we but <clears throat> we are primarily a retro video game expo, so we want you know most of those exhibitors on the floor to be selling retro games to to our guests. So, um, you know, we're just trying to grow everything we can, um, and hopefully next year we'll, we'll be able to even do even more. 
Yeah, uh, so the the quality of the vendors at the Retro World was always impressed me because you know I don't you don't have to respond I don't want to I don't want to sure it's any negativity about this but it's very obvious to me when you go to any retro gaming expo the people that are excited to be there and the people that are there because they want to sell their shit and right. they could be at anything um, mm-hmm. and the you know it's I'm not there's nothing. That has nothing to do with the expo, obviously, but I just the, the the amount of people whose booths I actually stopped at and then had a conversation was uh, ten times that at your average expo. The you know the quality of the vendors were definitely great, just and ranging from people that just have big collections that they were there to sell their extras and, and buy other stuff to to game stores like Retro Games Plus that actually give a shit about the community and really care. So it was you know the, it's wildly obvious to me the difference between the two you know if you walk by and there's a complete inbox nest for five hundred dollars i usually keep walking right, right. stop but you you guys had very few of those and very many of the ones that are people that actually care and that it's always so great to see the people with the, the weird and rare stuff that they bring and there are so many vendors that brought stuff like uh just for fun little backdrops that they weren't selling just because they wanted to share with everybody. Right. Like, hey, you know, check this out. This is neat. It's not for sale, but, you know, how cool is that? Like, it always makes me really happy to know that a, a bunch of people, you know, especially if you own a store, you have to make money. You can't give things away for free, but it's good to know that people are honest about stuff. And, uh, you know, it, expos like yours are the ones where you could actually meet more of those than some of the other random ones I've been to. Yeah, and, and that I'd, I'd like to say that that's kind of by design. Um a lot of these vendors, either Chris knew or some of the other owners knew. and um, uh, But we would actually go to other expos. And, and I don't want to use the word poach, but, you know, there are well, – why will use it. There are uh, – <laughs> yeah, As long uh, as you don't have an expo at the same day as the other one, yeah. it doesn't really count as poaching. <laughs> uh, there are other expos that will just go to every single one of another person's vendors and say, hey, come to my show. Hey, come to my show. Hey, come – we don't do that. Um, we go to the vendors at those shows we feel are, are representing themselves um, in the best manner, have the highest quality of, of products. Um, and, you know, we approach those type of vendors. We don't just approach every single Tom, Dick, and Harry. Um, so, you know, by doing that at, at multiple different shows, uh, and, and again, prior personal connections, our, our exhibitor uh, mix is, is primarily, you know, bringing really good stuff, has really good deals, um, and lots of lots of inventory. Mm-hmm. So that's something I, you know, I, I feel we're very proud of, and, and we're really proud to have these vendors be a part of the show as well. Yeah, definitely something that you know you deserve to brag about. Um, the uh, some of the guests too, like it was it's like I, I've been lucky enough to meet tons of famous people if you want to call them that just through the different jobs i've had and stuff and it's so weird where i get fanboyish over the most random things and when i met daniel Pacino, when i heard he was going to be there i was like oh neat you know i'd love to get a picture and i saw him standing there i'm like i wonder if he's going to do a split and punch me in the balls <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, i just got a little fanboyish and he was super super nice really really yeah. good dude so i mean um you know for, for anybody who knows of me uh, knows my work on retroware Huge, huge Mortal Kombat fan. Uh, that's that's my favorite game of all time. Um, so last year, um, you know, I went out and I I knew people who knew him um, over in Chicago. So I'm like, you know, doing this, I'm doing this expo. 
let me see if I can get something going. So I did reach out to my buddy, um, and he put me in contact with, with Daniel. And, um, you know, super eager to come, um, and super polite, had no issues. Uh, but like you, when it came, to, I think it was, it was Saturday, um, it, towards the end of the day, it was getting a little lighter at the show. And I'm just sitting with Danny Bassina at his booth. We're just kind of like talking, you know, just kind of like talking about our lives, talking about, you know, a little about our backgrounds and we're just chilling. I'm like, I'm chilling with Johnny Cage. Right now. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, absolutely. He, uh, he signed um, a picture for me. It's up in my office. So. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's my he's always been my favorite character in the games. Um, you know, ask anybody who's known me since I was a kid. I've always picked Johnny Cage, so that was that was surreal for me. Um, and, and now um, this year, I'm going to get to meet Jeremy Parrish. Um, I'm Jeremy Parrish, John Parrish. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, pretty sure, pretty sure you've met him, <laughs> John Parrish. Uh, so I, I don't know, I. I kind of know Jeremy Paris, so it's like I'm getting kind of confused. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, so yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great, um, and a lot of uh, the other guests, a lot of these YouTube guests have come from uh, my years with Retroware. You know, uh, yeah, that was you... actually gonna be my next question: is how do you meet some of these YouTube guests that you have on there? Yeah, I mean, like uh, Pixel Dan, um, he he was part of Retroware. I uh, still technically is. A uh, gaming historian's been through Retroware. Game Chasers' Pat's been through through Retroware. Um, and, you know, Retroware is, throughout the years, kind of been a place for people to go to get recognized. Mm-hmm. And when they do, you know, some of them, yeah, they, they do leave and, you know, kind of start their own thing. But I'm totally fine with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody's got to do what they got to do. But, uh, you know, we, we've always had positive relationships with anybody. Who, who, everybody who's been through the site, um, and, and still to to this day, and uh, you know, just through my connections to Retroware, a lot of these YouTube guests have uh, have been being able to come through to our show, um, and there are some others that friend of a friend type of deals, mm-hmm. um, and some that we just blindly reach out to. So, yeah, I, don't, I just interviewed RGT eighty five a couple days mm-hmm. ago. I didn't realize that he actually lived in Bridgeport. Yeah, I guess his family's from the area. Uh, I don't, I don't know Bridgeport. He just said from the area. Yeah, but, uh, we, I guess we both lived in Bridgeport around the same time. He's a few years younger than me, so what a trip! I had no idea. Like you know, Connecticut's not yeah. a big place, so just to have a, a bunch of yeah. us all in the same area like that was kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's a really a small world. I mean, Chris, I had been to your site a number of times prior to Chris saying he knew you. Um, He's like, oh yeah, this guy uh, Bob from Retro RG. Oh, I don't know that site. So yeah, he comes into my store and he's always looking for like certain versions of the Genesis and Super Nintendo. He's like, <laughs> he, and Chris isn't really like into that type of stuff. So you know, he's just kind of I'm like, oh, okay. And then sure enough, you know, the, the our, I started talking to you through him. So yeah, um, yeah, that was know. funny. Poor Chris, man. And the first time I went in there to explain what I needed, he. He, in the most polite and friendly way, basically, was like, yeah, I don't know what any of that is, but if I can help, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) So that was pretty awesome. Yep. He's a great guy. He's a great friend. Um, So um, 
man, I'm just I'm excited to go to the expo. I'm excited for the you know I'm uh, happy that you kind of shed a, a bit of light on the behind the curtain view of, of this stuff. Uh, is there anything I missed? Was there anything else that you've been working on recently that I'd forgotten to mention or anything um, remote? I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, right now RetroWare is is really trying to push the video game years. Um, video game years has been out on RetroWare for a couple years now, mm-hmm. uh, but only. Uh, the last two months, we've put it on Amazon Prime, where it's garnered a completely new audience and is doing way, way, way better than it did just on YouTube. Um, and uh, it's finally being something that, um, I, I don't like to brag, but it's been profitable for us now. Um, I mean, where, you should. It's that's that's not clickbait. That's yeah. not a top ten list. That's that's yeah. stuff that you guys poured your hearts into. That's really I, I mean, it, it, it's by far our most pop. pop uh, it's by far our most um, uh, liked uh, production and more most popular production, and everybody wants more of it. And, but what they don't understand is it takes a lot of time and money to make that show, yeah. and a lot of heartache and stuff like that. And John who's actually, John created that show. That was his idea. Um, and, uh, you know, we, he, he started it. Uh, he got with me and then he got, also got with Pat, who Pat and I are producers of the show. Um, you know, he started that idea and he, he, he really worked his ass off on that. And, you know, I, I would chime in and, and help out when I could, but it's, it's a definitely, that's, that's a labor of love show, um, for, for all of us. And, um, Pat and John really, really, uh, you know, push that show as much as possible, and it's only now it's it's garnering the success that we wanted it to have. Um, so it's it's really it's, it's a really good feel, feeling that we're finally getting that now. And uh, people, like I said, people keep asking about when are you gonna do more? When are you gonna do more? <laughs> it you know just as a as a tease. It's in the works. I'm not. I'm not making promises. And I'm not. I mean, gotcha. you know, there, there's a a loose plan uh, we're putting in place, and who knows? Maybe we'll say something at Retro World Expo about it. I don't know. So we'll see. Teaser. teaser. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad it's on Amazon, and I'm really. I, I hope that all of your newer content um, that falls in the same vein will be too, because yeah. I, I feel like if I um, if I didn't work. You know, if my work hobby wasn't in this field, I don't think I would take YouTube as seriously as I have in the past few years, <clears throat> because your average person, uh, at least people our age, I guess, your average person our age, you know, views YouTube as the cat videos and stuff like that. Right, right. But like, um, you know, when you go to YouTube, there is a lot of great content on there, and there is a lot of things that's you know, documentary style and really good. But I think for a lot of people our age who don't are in the loop, I guess, is the best way to put it. To see something on Amazon would be taken more seriously. I think right. anybody in their 20s and younger, like 29 and younger, doesn't see it that way. If the content's good, they like it, period, regardless of where it is. But I, I do think the older crowd, which would attract a lot of the those people for this stuff just because of the time period, see right. it on something like Amazon Prime, and that exact same content that I've known and loved for, for years now they see it there, and immediately it has this sense of, um, I don't know, it's uh, it's more prestigious. So I'm, right. I'm both I'm glad both that your guys are actually you know getting a little more profitable on this because we all want more content, and that's what it takes to get more content. But I'm also glad it's reaching a whole wider audience 
Because there are a whole bunch of other people that would love to know these things that just really, like, there's they don't know it's out there, you know? Yeah. All right, so is there uh, is there anything else? Or, it's, you know, I appreciate the interview. I mean, I'm pretty sure we covered all grounds. Yeah, yeah, I think we're, we're pretty good. Um, you know, just uh, video game year stuff. Stay tuned to RetroWorldTV.com for announcement. And uh, please, please come to Retro World Expo. Uh, we would love to have you. And... Uh, should be a great show this year, and, and thank you, Bob, for for having me. Oh yeah, thanks very much, man. Um, well, uh, I'll talk to you very soon at the expo, and uh, I'll see everybody else next week. Take care.